All right. I'd say gentlemen, but we're short a person. Today, it's just John and Garrett. Sorry, Mark. We hope you're doing well. Listeners, you're in trouble. It's all downhill <laughs> from here. And we're literally like four seconds in. So there have been a lot of fictional characters in cinema that have basically been viewed as heroes, uh, you know, role models, role models, you know, yeah. people that are like, oh, wasn't that guy cool? We got, you know, like Tyler Durden from Fight Club. We've got Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. What other major characters in like fiction or even I guess like, let's just stick with fiction. Fiction, okay. <laughs> yeah. We know a lot of shitty people in person who <laughs> shouldn't be heroes. Seemingly everybody. <laughs> What other fictional character has been viewed in that way that shouldn't be? Oh, you know what comes to mind? People really like, uh, I guess it Jay Gatsby from The Great Gatsby. I think it really peaked post when Leonardo DiCaprio played him in that really bad Great Gatsby movie. Oh, that was like post Romeo and Juliet Boz Lorman remake, right? Yeah. So okay. I think like they see all the money and he's all, he's all affectionate and in love with Daisy, but they really miss the whole part of the fact that he's like really weird and stalkerish and <laughs> deeply, deeply unhappy. So I think there's like another, I think it's money that tricks people up. But uh, yes, I think people idolize Jay Gatsby because he's rich and don't realize that he is like, I almost said F. Scott Fitzgerald. You know, the, <laughs> the guy who wrote the Star Spangled Banner. Uh, We're just all over the place already. I yeah, love it. That's Francis Scott Key anyway. So, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Who was Harriet Tubman? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that the point of the novel was that he is unhappy. People, I think, miss that. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good one. Um, I'm going to go outside the realm of like movies for a second. I mean, I guess that he's back in movies, but um, I'm going to go with The Punisher. Ooh. If there was ever a character that people just completely miss the goddamn point of, it's The Punisher from Marvel Comics. Yeah. If I see one more cop or one more fucking gun bro with a Punisher-like logo on the back of their car... I don't, I don't even know what to do. Like Marvel literally changed the logo for a story idea, but also because they wanted to distance themselves from that character being like associated with it. And people lost their fucking minds. Like every like asshole dude who decided like Punisher was yeah. their hero. Like, like you can't do this. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it was like, it's like being like, you know who I really enjoy that Hitler guy. Y'all shouldn't fucking disperse his name. It's like, dude, fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. Punisher's trash. That's a good one. That is a, yes. Uh, I totally second that one as well. It's like, dude, go read like one comic, just one. Yeah. Like, there's, there's literally a comic where like Captain America, like sees a uh, Punisher, like skull logo on the back of their, uh, a, a cop car. Mm -hmm. And he's all like, he walks up and he's like, he rips it off. And he like, basically says, if I see this shit again, like, you know, like you guys have a bigger problem. It's like, if you want a role model, there's someone out there already. His name is Captain America. And he'd love to have you. It was like, you should never look up to me. Or like you should never want to do what I do. And the cops were like, holy shit. Like it was like their hero yeah. telling them like, you fucking are trash. And I was like, damn. Get him, Punisher. But yeah. That's a really good one. But I do love a good Punisher cartoon or yeah. a comic and uh, damn. You know, it's how you approach it and and not making it your whole personality. I think, you know what? Here's a, here's a pro tip. Pro tip from John. Uh, PTJ. <laughs> Don't make any fictional character your whole personality. That's just a bad thing to do. I, I agree. Yeah. And that's Unless that fictional character is Garrett. <laughs> yes. Well, of course. Yeah. Anyone from this podcast is fine, but anybody I, else. I'm AI, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We call it Chat Garrett. <laughs> Hey, all you creatures from cyberspace. 
It's your boy, Garrett. It's your boy, John. It's not your boy, Mark, because he's out this week. He had some, um, I guess, what, adult stuff to take care of? Well, that sounds like porn, but uh, he's working on his home. Yes, he's yeah, working he's... on his home. That also sounds like a euphemism in a way, too. So. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. He's using both hands, I'm sure. <laughs> Mark's got some stuff to deal with, so unfortunately, he's not going to be with us this week, but we will try to do our best to uh, provide his information out and... Uh, give his hot takes as it is. But welcome back to another episode of the Grave Talk Podcast. This week, we are switching it up a little bit, and we're talking about, I guess we would call this a little less of a, more of a thriller, or is this actually, we're going to go into this whole argument again. I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's like a horror comedy almost. It's weird. It's a weird film. I'll definitely go with dark comedy. This, yeah. this more than anything definitely is one of those dark comedy situations. But there's some pretty horrific stuff. So again, it's classified as such on the, uh, the website, so we're going to go with it. But this week... We are talking about the classic American Psycho. Yes. I just looked up. Wikipedia calls it a satirical horror film. And you can't argue uh, with Wikipedia. So. To, to be fair, I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, I did forget how like funny this... Not like ha-ha funny, but like it has humor in it. Much more than I remembered. Well, the opening... The, I mean, we'll, we'll get more into this, but like, even the opening like you know monologue where he's like talking about his facial and his like you know, beauty routine. Oh, yeah. It was like, I was like, oh, this is so meant to be like serious, but so serious, it's funny. And he calls it, he's like, oh, I, then I use a gel or water activated gel, like lather or whatever. I'm like, oh, body wash. You yeah. use bo- all soap is water activated. Yeah. Well, Patrick Bateman, who's um, Christian Bale's character in this movie, is just all presence, all um, outside, you know, visual perception and stuff like that. So, yeah. Ooh, as he says, I just want to fit in. Yeah, it doesn't do a great job, though. To me, what I do like about this movie, and it's kind of interesting, and I'd love to hear what you think, is when I picture the 80s, though, it is like this movie, basically. As someone who was not really alive in the 80s, I was four when the 80s ended. Like, to me, this is what I imagine the 80s was. This is definitely one of those like misconceptions that movies have given us, and thank God they have, because the regular 80s was boring and <laughs> ugly as shit sometimes. But no, you, you, you think, you know, Wall Street, you think clean, you think yuppie, you know, and then you think like the, the new wave, neon club yeah. type stuff, you think the crazy, you know, fashion. I think punk, because a lot of the punk stuff were like really took, you know, root mm-hmm. in the early 80s. Time has done a really good job of convincing us what the 80s was, <laughs> and this one did feel right at home in the 80s. Yeah, it could... It, it's hard to believe this movie was made in the year 2000. It feels Wait, was like... was it really? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like mid-90s. Yeah, it feels like a movie that could have come right out of the 80s. Once again, Garrett coming prepared. <laughs> yes, it came in 2000. I guess, I mean, in the 80s, if it had come in the mid-90s, Christopher, or Christian Bale, rather, would be very young. Because he was already young. He was in this movie. Oh, man, how old is Christian Bale? He's probably, what, in his 40s now? 50? Oh, God, I probably, hope Probably 50s. I, I hope guessing. he's not older than me. Uh, um, let's see. Christian Bale is well, I guess forty-nine. Would... Okay, so he is a little older than me, but not by a whole lot. Damn, no, that's not a that's not ideal. He was born in nineteen seventy-four. Well, let's go ahead and get into the uh, the information of this film because I I think that uh, this episode is going to be a little more I want to say freeform, a little more loose. We'll go through the plot, but this movie's so dialogue heavy that I don't think we're going to have to spend a lot of time going you know to scene by scene. Yeah, but uh, John, I'm assuming you brought this information because once again, as I mentioned. I did not. Well, here's the great news. Mark, as always, a professional, provided me the information. Even in his absence, he's holding this shit together. (laughs) Definitely, because no, I did not have any of these. My notes consist of things like, starts in a fancy restaurant. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) oh my God. Yes, don't have these kind of notes. But let's get, uh, so budget, seven million. 
box office, $34 million. So it was a pretty big hit. I actually have some information about the budget. Uh, okay. Tell us, tell us. Now's the oh, time. This is right budget in? talk. Okay, yeah. cool. F- fuck the process. We're just jumping right in. Interrupt whoever, whenever. Yeah, well, look, as, I'm, as the speaker, jump on in. Okay. Come on. <laughs> um, give me the conch. I'm going. Uh, so basically, this was a $7 million budget. But originally, and you told us this, um, at one point, they had Leo DiCaprio yeah. signed on to play the role of Patrick Bateman. And according to the trivia and stuff like that, it was uh, feminist Gloria Steinem who convinced him not to do it. Because she was like, you're so young and you're a teen heartthrob. Doing this movie will kill your career. Um, Also, there's rumors that supposedly um, the role almost went to Brad Pitt at one point. And uh, was it Scorsese? No, no. um, Oliver Stone was going to direct when Leonardo DiCaprio was in it. Yeah. Yes. And then um, when DiCaprio left, Stone left. But it was also supposed to be someone else in Brad Pitt. Hmm. And Brad Pitt jumped out because supposedly Christian Bale convinced him not to take the role. Good. I can't imagine anyone else, let alone Brad Pitt, or especially like Leonardo DiCaprio coming off of Titanic, playing this role half as good as Christian Bale did. Well, the thing was, is Leo was supposed to get uh, $21 million is what he wanted for this. And when he was signed on, that's what they were going to give him. So the budget ballooned up to $40 million for this movie. And then when he left, it went down back down to seven million, and that's why they made a profit. Okay, so well. yeah, this worked out for everybody in this flick. But yeah, that's that was a crazy when I read that twenty million dollars. Good, uh, yeah, I think that was a good call. Good call to not go to twenty one freaking million dollars for Leonardo DiCaprio. What did he do? Was it the beach? Would that have been his next movie? Well, you said 2000, so it kind of throws my whole thing in. I mean, he's he's post Romeo and Juliet from 95, 96 here. This would have been right after Titanic because it would have oh, filmed in 97 well, or Titanic whatever. was a fucking behemoth. I mean, he could have asked for the world at that point and they would have been like, sure, hook it up. Yeah, well, he asked for $21 million and they were like, <laughs> yes, okay. That's close enough to the world at this point. Yeah, the beach would have been... Uh, okay, so it would have been Titanic, The Man in the Iron Mask, and then The Beach. Okay, Man in the Iron Mask did pretty good, too. Yeah, that was a good so. movie. All right, so what else we got? Uh, directed by Mary Heron. Okay. Uh, who, you know what, Mark? Thanks for telling me what else she directed. I have to click on a link. Oh, Ugh. that's it. Mark's off the podcast. Off the podcast. Uh, let's see, a lot of TV directing. Nothing that I really recognize, but I don't recognize shit, so that doesn't say a lot. Uh, Dolly Land, she directed that. That was her most recent movie. Something called The Expecting. Doesn't look like she's been really keeping herself busy since American Psycho. But that's all right. When you make a masterpiece, you know, you just let it go. The L Word, she did one episode of that. I know people like that. Yeah. That was it. All right. She's the director of American Psycho. She's, yeah, yes. there you go. The movie is based on a novel by Brett Easton Ellis, uh, which is apparently very, very controversial because it's like super, super gory. And everyone knows that about it. But the thing to also know is that it's boring as fuck. So be prepared for that. If you think you're going to read like a really gory, like horror novel, you're actually going to read brand names, discussion of 80s bands. Did you read it? Yes. Not for this podcast, but years ago when I first watched this movie. So it'd have been like in the early 2000s. And there are, it is significantly gorier. I was reading that like they, there's like full on just sections of the books that are omitted because they're like, they're just so horrifically violent. There's no way they could have done this without getting like an easy NC-17. Yeah. There's like way more rape and animal cruelty oh, and Jesus. yeah and Patrick Bateman is like much much more homophobic and racist and I racist mean, I remember that yeah, so I was like, reading they were like god this guy's a fucking racist asshole and I was like oh okay zero percent of the charm that Christian Bale imparts on him in playing this role now do you think that would be a good thing or a bad thing for this film I mean do you think this movie would have been better if he was a just complete piece of garbage 
No, I think they did what they had to do because if your protagonist is completely unlikable, I don't think people would have watched the movie at all. Okay. I think you have to be able to latch on a little bit. Like that's probably why, you know, the protagonist of slasher movies is very rarely the slasher, you know, the killer. They try to find some semi-likable person. I'm trying to think of that. I, I think Hatchet 2 might be the only time <laughs> I can think of when they like, they maybe like endeared to the person and like, yeah. oh man, that, yeah, I'm sorry, buddy. Hollywood, get at us. Slasher film from the perspective of Jason or Freddy or whatever. Imagine a whole movie from Slasher Cam. Yes, exactly. And he, it's all shitty because he's wearing his hockey mask. So you just <laughs> see two like... Uh, it's like Wes Anderson when he films in square, yes. you know, like, you know, ratio as opposed to like 16 by Except three. Except it's mast and eyeball ratio. He's <laughs> such a headache. Uh, the people who took the challenge though, of turning this supposedly unfilmable book. So before it came out, everyone said you can't film American Psycho. It is a bananas book. Nobody's going to let you do it. Uh, was Mary Her Heron, the director, and Guinevere Turner. Uh, yeah. And they did a great job of making this a screenplay. And Guinevere Turner's in the movie, I believe. Yes. She's, she, oh man, who is she? One of the escorts, I think the okay. one she picks up uh, with Christy and then whatever. Okay, gotcha, I can't remember gotcha. the other escort's name. Um, so the cast, I think, is what we do next. So obviously we got Christian Bale, who plays Patrick Bateman. Justin Thoreau plays Timothy Bryce. Uh, Josh Lucas is Craig McDermott. Bill Sage, David Van Patten. These are all just his little cronies. They're barely recognizable. Yeah, his, I guess his like, you know, acquaintances, his work friends and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Chloe Sevigny, I hope I said that right, plays Jean. So okay. she's a pretty major character. Reese Witherspoon plays Evelyn. His uh, fiance, his, right? Yes, who I completely forgot was in this movie, if I'm being okay. honest. She was pregnant during filming of this, too, supposedly. Oh, shoot. Well, yeah. she did a great job. Um, she always, you know, like, I think she's very underrated. I agree. Yes. Remember her? Did you ever watch Election? With yes. Matthew Broderick. Man, there's so many good dark comedies that kind of snuck up on us mm -hmm. and go into the theater. You're like, holy shit, this is not like what you think it is. Yeah, Election was really good. Samantha Mathis plays Courtney Rawlinson. Uh, Who plays Lewis? Lewis, I was just getting there. Matt Ross plays okay. Lewis. Now, Matt Ross, I could not place him for the longest time. I was like, oh, I know him. I just watched Silicon Valley. He's Gavin Belson. Oh shit! The guy he that is. owns Hooli, like <gasps> that's him. The whole I was like, I was like, this guy looks so familiar, and I could not figure out what it was, and that's what it was. I was like, oh shit, he's from Silicon Valley. I like to think it's the same character. <laughs> you think that's his arc? <laughs> yeah, he fell from Wall Street Grace and went out to Silicon Valley. Start, yeah, it started Hooli. The audio is working. Excuse me, I paid twenty million fucking dollars to acquire this company. Fuck you. The audio is working. Audio worked a hundred fucking years ago. You fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Jared Leto plays Paul Allen. William Defoe plays Donald Kimball. I think that's that's kind of weird that like Leto and uh, Defoe are kind of further down in the list. I mean, I guess their characters are more more insignificant to the story, but yeah, it's in credits order. So oh, okay, yeah, I gotcha. guess because they barely. I mean, Paul Allen is mentioned throughout the movie, but he's really only in like three scenes. Do do you think? Because we know Bale definitely was like, I'm taking this role because it's almost impossible, and mm -hmm. everyone tells me I shouldn't do it. He loves doing that shit. But do you think everyone else kind of knew what they were getting into with this? I mean, you have to. They have to know. How could you not? Because apparently this book, like, I was too young when this book came out. So I wasn't aware of the American Psycho drama. But apparently it was a very big deal. Like they boycotted the publisher and it had a switch from one publisher to another publisher. Wait, really? Yeah. Huh. This book was, was very controversial when it came out in the early 90s. So anyone who would have been in the universe of filming American Psycho would have had to know that this is a very... The, the expectation. Yeah, okay. Controversial situation. 
And the director was involved in some of the writing, right? Yeah, she wrote the she wrote the screenplay. Okay, yeah. So yeah, she probably would have been part of that to her actors as well. Yeah, because I know like a lot of the brand names. Because again, uh, you know, Patrick Bateman, Christian Bale, Christian Bale. Oh, there we okay. go. I was trying to think of the actor. Um, his character is so like you know big on perception and appearances, and you know like being a part of the popular and fitting in. So there's a lot of name brand dropping and stuff like that. And there was a lot of name brands like Rolex and a few mm-hmm. other places that were like, you cannot use our stuff. And then like they had all these stipulations of like, okay, you can use our name. Like Rolex was like, everyone can use our watches except for Patrick <laughs> Bateman. Like they couldn't, that's why he says, don't touch the watch yeah. in bed. It's wild. Cause I, do, I can't think of anything nowadays that has been so controversial, like books or movies or anything that would engender that kind of backlash. feels like culture has shifted so far. I mean, I guess it's the internet. The internet has probably reset our expectations of what's horrible because everything is horrible on the internet. Do you think so? Or do you think that, you know, I mean, everything changes. I'm sure, you know, The Exorcist was like the scariest thing you've ever seen. People were like leaving the theaters and like somewhere in the like ambulances yeah. and stuff. So I think we just become a little more desensitized or accustomed to, you know, what is that limit? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I think the like, how like, dogma was protested like the most like basic comedy which you still can't get anywhere other than the original dvd release it's not available on like digital because they're like i don't think anyone wants to fuck with it yeah but it's like such a like a generic comedy it's actually really not that controversial but let's see mark shared some very interesting notes about christian bale's acting if you know anything about christian bale you know he's a very intense jared leto kind of method actor so he brought a copy of the novel to the set every day and he would stay in in like character in Patrick Bateman character the whole shoot. He didn't socialize off camera. He spoke in an American accent, which blew my fucking mind when I read that. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, he's not American. <laughs> yeah, so evidently, like the cast when he started talking in his normal like accent after the filming was over. They thought he was putting on an accent for the next movie he was doing because they didn't know that he actually had that normal Welsh accent. That's funny. Yeah, he apparently would spend hours at the gym every day. He went through Patrick Bateman's morning routine every morning. God, could you imagine having to go through that every day? How much time do you spend just getting ready? Well, I mean, to be fair, we never see him actually do work in this yeah, movie. nobody works. So maybe he just makes his own schedule. But I guess it's all right because he says his dad owns the company or almost owns the company. His daddy so. owns a dealership. Yeah, he's a, he's a Nepo baby. What's a Nepo baby? Uh, uh, nepotism. Oh, That's like okay. a new internet thing for people who are famous because of you know their parents or whatever. Okay. They call them Nepo babies. All right, I got gotcha. you. Uh, he kept, or so he based his performance on Nicholas's Cage's performance in Vampire's Kiss. So I knew that. Never seen it. Oh, dude, it is peak Cage balls to the wall. It's his like, I, oh God, is that the movie? And I wish Mark was here because he'd probably know like where he's all like, you just put it in the right file according to alphabetical order. You know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z! Huh? That's all you have to do! He swings for the fences and then says it's still not far enough. Whoa. All right, I'm going to have to track that one down. And apparently a Tom Cruise interview on Late Night with David Letterman. Wait, what? He based... Okay, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. This character is very Cruise like. Yes. I mean, as much a fan I am of Top Gun, Tom Cruise has dead eyes. He, he, there's nothing going on back there. All right. Here comes the hardest part. Did Mark give you a back of the box? He did. Mark gave me a back of the VHS, uh, which labels this movie smart and sexy. Okay. You know what? I'll agree with that. 
Yeah, it is. It's pretty smart. And it was pretty sexy at times. Yeah, Christian Bale. Yeah, he's a, it was he's also a, looker. a little bit weird at times too, where it was like, ah, oh, this is kind of sexy, and I was like, ooh, this took a turn real quick. Yeah, <laughs> so much casual porn watching. Let's get through this, and then we'll talk about that. Then we'll get to the porn. We call that a teaser, <laughs> audience. Patrick Bateman is a young, handsome, Harvard-educated Wall Street success, seemingly perfect with his stunning fiance Reese Witherspoon, an entourage of high-powered friends. But his circle of friends doesn't know the other Patrick Bateman, the one who lusts for more than status and material things. With a detective, William Defoe, hot on his trail and temptations everywhere, Patrick Bateman can't fight his terrible urges that take him on the pursuit of women, greed, and the ultimate crime. He can't fight this feeling anymore. Go ahead. Murder. <laughs> Wait, is that what it said? <laughs> yeah, based on and the ultimate crime, murder. Oh, okay. Sorry, there's an exclamation point. Based on the controversial book by Brett Easton Ellis, American Psycho is a sexy thriller that sets forth a vision that is both terrifying and chilling. That's a pretty good back of the box, actually. It is. I'm going to give a little bit of graphic design notes for the back of the box, though. Okay. Here's, here's the thing. When you have black text maybe don't put it in front of black things so that some of the words just are basically unreadable. Like how black could it be, John? Like yeah. none more black. None more. So, yeah, I know it's a little late to reprint the VHS box, but here's my thoughts. <laughs> I on would that. love if they off based off your notes. <laughs> they're like, we got to redo this. Yeah, yeah, 20 years old, doesn't matter. Recall them. We're getting new boxes out there. And well, last a, but oh. not least, the Rotten Tomato. Oh, yeah, that's right. So 68% with the critics which is lower than I expected. Interesting. And then 85% with the audience. Okay, back to our whole people who should not be idolized. Yeah, are. which was way higher than uh, than I expected. So I, have a, I had a roommate at one point who loved this movie. Like, he didn't look look up to, you know, Patrick mm -hmm. Bateman's characters. Like, like, oh, that's why I want to be or anything. But, like, he loved the, the pure, dark satire of it. And, um, you know, of course, the, the soundtrack's a banger. We'll mm, get into that in a little time. bit. But um, he really does. So I've seen this movie so many times. It was this watch last night, because, as always, watching this right before we record, where a lot of it, like, kind of sunk in. Like, mm -hmm. I think this really is, like, you have to be in the, the right place to really grasp how truly comedic this movie is because man it comes across like playing itself seriously and then like when he says i have to go return videotapes Love it. Some, again probably the the titular like one-liner is like i have some to return some videotapes that at first for like years was just like oh, okay that's kind of funny but like this time it was like it cracked me up every time he said it i was like holy shit that is completely devoid of what's going on right now yeah the, the, this is the first watch. I also sort of rewatched this. It, it hit me different this time, maybe because like I'm older now. But this was really the first time that I was like, oh, he's like a loser. He's a he might be rich, but he's a loser. Well, I didn't get that at the end where they're like, oh, you know, you know, Patrick Bateman. Huh, you don't want to be like that guy. And I like I never picked that up again. Last night, there was a lot of revelations yeah. for me watching this movie um, for like what the, the 30th time or something like that. Finally getting it before we jump into the plot of um, American Psycho. Mm hmm. I also found out last night, there's an American Psycho 2. Yes, I watched it. Wait, what? Yeah, I did. Garrett, we've done some bad movies. <laughs> this is like one of the worst movies I've ever seen. This stars Mia Kunis and William Shatner. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what characters they play. I'm assuming it's a, a female killer this time, right? Because she's on the, the front of the box. Yes. Yeah, so here, quick, a quick summary of American Psycho 2. It 
opens with uh, Mia Kunich's character as like a 13-year-old girl. She's trapped to a chair while Patrick Bateman, who you only see from behind, of course, because they could not afford Christian Bale, okay. uh, is killing somebody. She loosens, she gets free and then kills Patrick Bateman. Whoa. So that's the end of Patrick Bateman. He gets killed by a child. So by the American Psycho 2's like expectation, Patrick Bateman at the end of this movie just is completely, this is what I'm going to do from here on out. And then someone else puts a stop to it. Continues to be a serial killer and then gets murdered by a child. Okay. And that... Well, to be fair, if you're going to tie a child down to like kill someone in front of them or potentially kill them, yeah, fair game. Yes. Then she uses that to be like, I'm going to go and become a serial killer hunter. I'm going to work for the FBI and profile (laughs) serial killers so I can stop them. But she's not really good at it. So she's going to school and the whole plot is about how she needs to become a teacher assistant to William Shatner, who plays an ex FBI person who is now a professor. And if she can get this teacher assistant job, then she is guaranteed to go to Quantico and become an FBI agent. And she's just killing the people in front of her on the list. Interesting. So it's about like the drive of like, you know, success and stuff. Yes. Except it's not. Okay. It's really bad. It's direct to video number one. Oh, was it direct to video? And the soundtrack doesn't make any sense to the murder. It's like uh, if they bought one of those royalty free CDs and just used whatever they could to. They're like, yo, just roll with what we have. Well, they kind of did that in this movie. Uh, the, the Whitney Houston song is a royalty free, like kind of knockoff version mm. of the Greatest Gift. They couldn't afford Whitney. No, she said no way. Oh. She would not let them use their music. Her I, music. I respect that. So don't watch it. It's it, apparently here's what happened. This was not a American psycho movie. It was another movie called the girl who wouldn't die. And they were just like, add in a couple of scenes and push it out because American psycho was such a hit. They wanted to ride that wave. What a disservice to your movie. Although I guess like, think about it. Who would have seen this movie if it hadn't been called American psycho too? I I, arguably there is probably an opportunity for it to have been a better movie if it didn't have to pretend to be American psycho too. And if they gave it a little bit of like energy and time, because there is something there and Mia Kunch does do a decent job with what she has, but what she has is not very much. I can't think of a single movie that Mia Kunis has been in that I'm like, oh yeah, she's doing a good job acting. And again, that's not a knock on her. I just haven't seen a role that like really like shows her like range. And I mean, her peak was forgetting Sarah Marshall. I never saw that. Oh, dude. That is like one of the best comedies. It holds up so well. All right. I'll check that out. You got to see it. <laughs> that's That to me is her peak. I have no idea if it actually is. But to me, whenever I think of quintessential role of her, that's her. But she only plays one character. I mean, she plays the same. Uh, excuse me, fellas. I had to cut in real quick just to remind you guys about Black Swan, the one she acts opposite of Natalie Portman. I'd say that might be her best role she's ever done. Not to mention, she's been doing Meg from Family Guy for the last 20-something years. Talk about an easy paycheck, am I right? Anyway, back to you. She has one thing that she does, and she does it fine, but yeah, there's, you know, there's not a lot of range there. She's no Christian Bale. How come we've never seen Leo DiCaprio or Christian Bale in a, an Eddie Murphy-style, like, <laughs> like Clums-type movie where he plays, like, five characters themselves? If anyone could do it, I bet Christian Bale could. I, honestly, I'd love to see him take a fucking really shitty comedy role like yeah. that and just see what he does with it. Just thinking about when he kills Paul Allen, spoiler for a 22-year-old movie, that, like, I mean, he was Wait, so... Wait, the movie we're talking about today? The movie, yeah, right okay, now. Okay, you're allowed to spoil the movies we're talking about All today. All right, well... Uh, uh, he get, he's like so over the top in his facial expressions and his dancing. Like you could definitely carry a movie. 
Oh, man. Jim Carrey style. Anyway. Well, let's get back into American Psycho, the film we're here to talk about. Specifically, the much better one. Not American Psycho 2, <laughs> with royalty-free music. Yeah, I was, I was shocked that Shatner was in that second one. I was like, oh, we're off to a great start. And he's in it a lot. It isn't like a cameo. He's like the second main character. I, I, I kind of like the plot option, but anyway, American Psycho 1. Well, you can Let's, watch it for free on Tubi. Sweet. Yeah, that's the kind of, uh, <laughs> that's that's where you find American Psycho 2, Tubi. <laughs> the free section of Tubi. Um, okay, so this one, the plot of this one is so dialogue heavy. It's going to be kind of weird. We're going to kind of like kind of jump around and kind of, you know, gloss over a few things that happen in some of these scenes. So audience, feel free to get at us. Let us know if we missed anything or anything specific we need to go back and talk about. We can always, you know, splice it back in because we edit these. I don't know if you guys yeah, know. Not this. after this is, the fact, though. But we could, though. That'd be strange. We but yes, could. I mean, we, there's nothing stopping us. We have the power. Go back and edit our episodes after they release. Yeah. Had to skip made. <clears throat> oh, no. oh, that's right. Yeah. That's but a, yeah. We have the power, but we don't. <laughs> we don't abuse that power. We've been, we've been entrusted with the power to give you podcast, and we're not going to abuse that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so American Psycho, it starts off with... Uh, well, really, it's kind of cool. Like they're doing like a bunch of fancy like dinner plates and stuff like mm-hmm. that. The the title, I wouldn't say like title crawl, but like um, yeah, opening titles. Yeah, opening titles, and it's really cool. You're seeing like all this fancy desserts and stuff like that. Some of those looked amazingly delicious. Yes. So we're seeing that, and then you realize you're in a restaurant, and it kind of looks like blood at times. So mm-hmm. it's like that kind of like you know visual like sauce or whatever. Ooh, but what yeah. is this? Uh, we introduced to all of our characters. We get Patrick Bateman. We get um, Lewis. In the what the movie supports me on this they all are the same they're all the same person and they can't tell each other apart so i have a very hard time telling them apart that's fair that's fair i mean you can you know, as you're watching the movie you can definitely tell who's who and they all kind of have a little bit of personality but when you're trying to describe it yeah just wall street bros exactly. 80s wall street bros and they're all just sort of bullshitting and they're looking around like oh shit you know paul allen's here and he's handling the fisher account this that and the other and, and it's really about image and who's here are we in the right hot restaurant with you know all like image and status yeah it's and, and no substance behind any of it Mm-mm. and that was like uh, that was something that I, you know, again, I missed early on is like how vapidly empty these people are. Like at one point later in the movie, I think it's towards the end where the guy's like, I don't care where we go or I don't care what we do. I just need to know that we have a reservation at a restaurant somewhere. Yes. And it's like, wow, imagine like living like that where you're just like, the expectation is if I don't have a reservation, how would that look if I don't? I can't even imagine. You know what? You don't need a reservation for Mickey D's. <laughs> that's true. All but right. I also don't want to go to Mickey D's that often. Yeah, Every night. That's all I eat. 24 oh. seven. Supersize me, bro. <laughs> Uh, so you kind of get a, an idea of how he views his world. It's it's very, you know, arrogant. It's very kind of empty and void of, you know, real personality. It's a lot of sniping, a lot of kind of competition yeah. amongst themselves to see, you know, kind of who's the top dog. But really, it's less about being the top one. It's about it's, looking like the top it's, one. Yes, but it's also about like, do I fit in with the other top dogs here? And yeah. there's a lot of that. And that's it's a really interesting nuance to this movie that gets lost when you describe it or even just kind of like, you know, think about it on a surface level. But throughout the entire film, they do a really good job of maintaining that visage. Mm-hmm. A visage? Visage? I think it's visage. I've yeah. always said it that way, but I don't know that I've ever heard it said in real life. Sweet. I just read it. So, Sweet. But, um, and again, I, I really appreciated that this go around. Well, but one interesting thing about the that scene that comes to play a lot is 
Patrick Bateman is wrong when he's like, oh, no, Paul Allen's over there. And then they show it's it's not Paul Allen. It's just another Wall Street person. And it's like the first indication that they cannot tell each other apart. And this happens constantly. Yeah, there's a scene later on where uh, Jared Leto's character, he's like, he's mistaken me for so-and-so. He yeah. doesn't know that I'm this guy. And like he takes it so offensively, like, I, I can't be that loser. <laughs> but they're all the same exact dude. Yeah, yes. you're right. So then they go to this club and it's a relatively unimportant scene, except the bartender is like... And we're like, oh shit. But it turns yeah. out he had just imagined saying Okay, that. so I was gonna ask, because he he in the, the movie he actually see him say yes. it. Like his mouth is moving, it looks like he's talking to that person. The, the club is loud, so you can't tell she just didn't hear him. Are we to believe that all of those moments are fake or are those actually happening? I think the times where he basically is looking, saying fucked up shit. Yeah, like he's basically looking right at the camera and saying fucked up shit or imagined. Okay. Especially when he then continues the conversation normally. I do think there are times where he subtly puts in fucked up shit and people don't notice. Like later when he's at the club, uh, again later in the movie, he tells a model. Ask me a question. So what do you do? I'm into uh, oh, murders and executions mostly. Do you like it? Well, it depends. Why? Well, most guys I know who work in mergers and acquisitions really don't like it. Yeah, I think he really did say there, that. There's some slip ups later on. Yeah. yeah. But. but I think in, in this particular case, I think it was like just a, like a, a insight into his psyche of what he wanted to say. And then, yeah, we go to his apartment and we get the very, I think, a semi-famous monologue about his morning routine where he starts with an exfoliating face mask and he does a thousand crunches and you know, it goes on and on and on. But it's an really excruciating detail. Yeah. And I think that's. I think if they hadn't been that detailed, it would have lost the uh, the the, com the comedic aspect of mm -hmm. it. Because about halfway through it, I was saying, I was like, oh my God, is this movie all this? Because this is going to be so mind-numbing. And then I was like, like as he was just continuing to go on. And as you said, he describes face wash in a way that no one, no human yes. describes face wash. And it did kind of start to become like very humorous to me of like, oh wow, this is just pure it's it's almost like when you when you when you make things more important than they are just yeah. because you can't imagine you're doing something boring and mundane and like to him this is so important because he wants to look young and he wants to look tanned and fit but also this scene is a great encapsulation of what a lot of the book is like uh, okay. is like that where and i think that's it is intentional i don't think uh, ellis is doing it because he's a bad writer i think it is intentional but like when they go to meetings or clubs, they talk, oh, so-and-so's wearing this suit, so-and-so's wearing this suit, so-and-so's, and it's I just like, uh, but Almost to really drive home the fact that this is what's important when in actuality, this is mindlessly not important. Right, it's like how he sees the world and rates everybody. Okay. This, uh, this shower scene, uh, shout out, ladies. Uh, mm -hmm. If you want some Christian Bale butt, and Boom. Peak this physical, movie has yeah. got you as much Christian Bale butt as you could ever want. Yeah, he's shirtless a lot in this movie. He's so. naked a lot in this yes, movie. Like, that's true. Like, full on nude. So, yeah, I mean... A little something for the ladies mm -hmm. who like getting in weird situations <laughs> with serial killers. Mm-hmm. Then he goes to the office, and we see one of the first memes of the movie that is now everywhere on the internet, where Christian Bale's walking with his headphones, and he's listening to Walking on Sunshine. Which... I'm sorry, one of the quintessential greatest, best 80s songs ever. My notes consist of me just listing 80s 
these songs as they play in the movie going like, hell yeah, I love this song. Yeah, this song's rad. This is a banger. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, the, the soundtrack is the slap big time. It's also funny that someone like Christian Bale would listen to some of these, or not Christian Bale, someone like Patrick Bateman would listen to some, like Walking on Sunshine is not a song I would associate with the Wall Street bro crowd. Well, I mean, it, it, it permeated the 80s. I mean, you couldn't get around it. It was such a good song. But also, he's about what's popular. He's about yeah. what's what's in and hip. And so, and as later on he describes, one thing that's really kind of fun about this movie is whenever he's he finds himself in certain situations where things can be taking a little bit of a dark turn or a very uncomfortable situation, he'll tend to wax and monologue about albums and artists and you know music and stuff like that it's like almost like it's like one of his true passions yeah and like you know like there's the, the famous scene with the uh the raincoat the axe and he's just like describing like well huey lewis's first stuff and blah blah, blah. and then he also the, the phil collins you know diatribe yes, genesis but um you know i could see and this is something i kind of wish that the movie had done a little bit more of and again it would not have worked for the character but to really see him at times break his mundanity mundanity i'm gonna use a lot of words that may or may not be real <laughs> but uh make the mon- break the mundaneness of his life and like that vapid like yo this is important this isn't and really delve into his passion which would be music it but seemed like i wonder and we don't get any hints of this and i don't remember if it's addressed in the book so if it is audience let me know but i wonder if he actually feels this way or if he's just reading or he's reciting something he read so he also is superficially because what he's saying kind of sounds like album notes or something out of Rolling Stone. Yeah, like okay. it's, it feels very well rehearsed. Something he read in Vanity Fair. Exactly. So I wonder if it really is his passion or if he's just, an, it's just another thing that he does to pretend that he's a normal person. I think that he legitimately does because when he's describing stuff, when he's describing the Whitney Houston, you know, the greatest gift of all, you know, like, like when he's describing the, uh, the Phil Collins Genesis, you know, situation, yeah. like, I don't really feel like they, you know, came into their own until the third album, such and such. And no, 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 no. And it's like, he has a way, and maybe this is just Bale bringing this to the character, but he has this almost spark. Like it's something he like, it doesn't seem mm. like it's on autopilot. It seems like he's like, I'm doing this other thing that's on autopilot, but let me like, really like chime in with this because I, I don't know. I, I got the vibe that that was definitely a passion of okay. his. But I, yeah, I could go either way. I would way, like so. to have seen that played out a little bit more in the movie just to kind of give me a little bit more um, ability to connect with the main character because I could not stand this main character. Yeah, he's very annoying. He's well, not very he's unlikable. Unlikable. Yeah, because he's like just the most fake person. He is definitely East Coast fake, whereas, you know, you have the Midwest fake where they're like, oh, you know, hi, nice to meet you. Then they turn around and they're, and they're like talking mad shit about you. He is just like all, he's all image. You know, it's yeah. all just so, he's deep as a puddle. And I think that was also a big thing in the 80s too. I agree. You know, yeah. um, so we, he goes into his office, you know, with the headphones on. He sits down. We actually get introduced to his secretary. Uh, what's Jane? her name? Jan? Janie? Jimmy, Jane Doe, <laughs> uh, John, uh, hold on. It's in Jaleel Mark's. White. I think it was It's going to um, be in Mark's notes because he's the prepared one. We could also probably look on IMDB. Yeah. We are so ready. Gene, 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 Gene had a machine. And we get some casual 80s sexism. Oh, casual. This was like over the top. Well, like he's so casual smitty, about yes. it. You'd be pretty if you smiled more. Don't ever wear that again. Wear a skirt, wear high heels. I like my people in high heels. And it's like, And she's on board for it. Yeah, well, she's DTF, bro. She is big time DTF. She's got it for Patrick. Oh, so much. Yeah, which is weird. I mean, it was the 80s. No one knew about power dynamics back then. 
Just kidding. They goes, did. Be a doll. Don't wear that outfit again. What yeah. a sentence well, to say to somebody. She turns around and she's like, I'm sorry, what? And he's like, you heard me. I said, don't wear that again. And yeah. I was like, damn, you doubled down, bro. Well, yeah, and it shows just how, like, even when he's trying to be chill, it is he is always right at the edge. The moment, like, she thought maybe he'd get, or that he thought maybe she'd push back a little bit, he went into, like, rage machine mode. Yeah, he definitely has a, a big control issue. He's he's at his office. He's you know doing the office thing, and which it, is basically nothing. He watches television and then reads porn magazines <laughs> and you know listens to new albums. Yes, and they tell, and then he cuts to yet another dinner scene. So they he's like get, oh, he's no he's like get me reservations at you know such and such at twelve thirty, and then he's like also make me reservations for a dinner for two. And she's like, oh, do you have a date? Or, you know, like, do you have a romantic thing? And he gets like really flustered. He's like, never mind, I'll do it myself. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck is this all about? Like, I don't know if we ever like really. He's going to meet Evelyn, but he doesn't seem to want her, like Jean, to know about Evelyn. Maybe because he's, he's also like, because later he does take Jean out on a date and she doesn't seem to know that much about Evelyn. So I think he finds Evelyn to be. Which is weird because this this plays into his thing, but uh, he finds Evelyn to be vapid and boring. You know, like yeah, she's, she's rich coming from him. But. Yeah, I know. Well, and I think that's because okay, let's just jump to it. At the very end of this movie, not the not the crux of the surprise, but like at the very end of this movie, um, Patrick Bateman's character gives a monologue where at first I, I understood it, but it never really sunk in until this watching. He is he is in hell. He wants to be punished. He hates his life and Mm -hmm. he hates what he has to do. And he hates this rat race competition. He hates the like the nothingness behind everything. And this is why he lashes out and does what he does in his own mind, of course. You know, like this is this is the, the crux, the reason. And he's like, all the mayhem I have caused and my utter indifference toward it, I have now surpassed. My pain is constant and sharp. And I do not hope for a better world for anyone. In fact, I want my pain to be inflicted on others. I want no one to escape. But even after admitting this, there is no catharsis. My punishment continues to elude me, and I gain no deeper knowledge of myself. No new knowledge can be extracted from my telling. This confession has meant nothing. I'm doing everything I can to break out of this in the most terrible way possible. And he can't get out of it. It's so much ingrained in who he is and what he is that he's stuck here. That was fucking sad. Like I was like watching, I was like, my God. And it kind of pisses me off that I missed it all this time. Cause I've never been a huge fan of this movie. Yeah. Man, that really hit home. Despite all his rage, he's just a rat in a cage. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Billy Corgan. Um, so yes, he they he goes to dinner or goes to lunch with his buddies, and they're having a. I don't know if this is the. We'll, we'll basically get a lot of these like kind of mixed up and confused because yeah. the the guys have conversations of like you know what's a girl with a good personality who's ugly nothing huh yeah you know? I think <laughs> so, that's like I don't know why I sounded like Alf just then <laughs> ah! <laughs> you know, yo Willie that's what they all sound like um, <laughs> uh, he goes Gordon to, Shumway remember that that was uh, Alf's human name yes what a great <laughs> name he goes to meet uh, Evelyn in this one we, all, we might get these confused because to Garrett's point they're all really the same but he goes to meet Evelyn and they be, they bullshit a little bit and this is where we, we meet Evelyn for the first time and she's like we should get married and he's like no I can't take the time off work 
I was like, damn, she's like, dude. Your dad owns the company or something yeah. like that. You could do whatever you want. And then he gets like real upset. She's like, I'm sorry I brought it up. Like, never mind, whatever. Well, he says that he's listening to the new album, the new um, uh, Robert Palmer, Robert Palmer album. album. Yeah, simply, simply irresistible. And again, this is why it goes back to I think that music is his like true passion because he's like, I'm just trying to listen to this album and blah, blah, blah. And she's talking and like, he's like, you can tell he's just, he wants to be involved in that. Yeah. But. Yeah. He even says they have a cheese like chirping in my ear or whatever. <laughs> but uh, and they go, yeah, they, so they go to this dinner and it is. God, it's excruciating. It's Evelyn's friends, right? Yes. It's like one of his work buddies with his wife, who and Patrick Bateman's having an affair with. Yeah, they're all having an affair. So, pa- so, <laughs> so and so fucking so and so and so and so's fucking. Doesn't so-and-so. really matter, but he's fa- he's fucking this guy's wife, and that does come up quite a bit. So I guess it was a Catherine. Yeah, Catherine. Catherine. He's fucking Catherine, and the husband's fucking Evelyn, and they all kind of know about it, but it's like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, mm-hmm. and they have these real this really long conversation where Patrick just comes out and is like, what we need to do is stop nuclear war. Goes through the, the litany of 80s lists of like, what do we do about all these 80s problems? It's like two minutes long, which also very depressing, except for apartheid, all of them are still problems and yeah. we have new problems on top of them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And it's weird because he gives this and like, I, you can tell that he doesn't really care. No, he's, he's just, just listing off the things that he's read of like, these are big problems for everyone. And it, it, the camera does a great job. It's like really just focused in on his, on uh, Christian Bale's face. And he's does so good at just looking like a serial killer. I mean, he looks weird and you if someone were talking to you like this you'd be like this person is off but they are all just eating it up they're like yeah 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 you know no one's like under recognizes that this is a strange situation and and that's so much of this movie is kind of pointing out like his interactions in these just repetitive boring kind of vapid like scenarios and regurgitating what he he thinks needs to be said or what's expected to be said and and they're all just sort of talking at each other i think that's what the no movie's trying to tell no one's listening to anyone yeah. yes and but so to to burn through some of this plot we basically get a few more scenes where you know you actually see him having sex with Catherine and she's kind of like yeah. just all doped up on all different like you know some of the best 80s drugs definitely you know, Xanax Quaaludes you name them. She you is know. high as a kite. Oh man, she's out of it. But he, we see him, you know, do chores. We see him run into people throughout this, you know, like kind of like next couple minutes of the movie. And it really is, you can start to see a few of the cracks. And the first major like crack that we see is the uh, laundromat scene. Yes, where he is just screaming at this Asian American laundromat owner. I mean, he's up in her face, finger out. And he's like, you, what do you mean bleach? I got these from Santa Fe. They're very expensive. And he's holding just these sheets that are drenched in dried blood. It's so obvious too. Like, Ridiculous. Like, he doesn't even like get it. Like, dude, you might want to use a little bit of caution. No, he is like just like screaming at these people. Yes. I was like, dude, if they called the cops right now, this would be very difficult for you to explain. Mm-hmm. But a friend comes in and is like, oh, hey, what are you doing here? And he's like, these are the only, this is the only laundromat that gets, you know, things clean. Right. And he's like, can you talk to these people? They, I cannot understand them. They're not cleaning my shit. Right. And when he says he can't understand them, it's not in a, like, they're not making sense. It's, it's the, the racist kind Very of like, racist. I can't understand them. Like these people are below me. Yeah. And, and the lady's like, what is that? He goes, cranberry, uh, cran apple. Yeah. <laughs> and as someone who loves a good cran apple juice, I was like, that's not cran apple. And the, but this lady like is also very DTF. Cause she's like, we should get together sometime. Uh, I mean, anytime. To be, to be fair, like at first I was like, why is this character? But then I'm like, okay, I get it. He's got money. He's got 
the the illusion of power. And, yeah, he's and, very physically fit. You know, he's, he looks like Christian Bale. Dude, okay, I mean, we got to take a second to basically be like Christian Bale in this movie. Yes, damn, damn, a man's at peak male. Mm-hmm. Like that is a a well looking man. Yes. A well looking man. He is very it's a tall. Very good looking man. Yes. So I, it definitely makes sense. But she's just throwing himself, and he's just trying to get away. And he, she's like, "Okay, when can we meet?" He's like, "How about next Saturday?" She goes, "Okay." He goes. I'm busy. (laughs) The way he tries to warm out of like having to do plans with this person. And it's because he sees her as being beneath him. Yeah. And little does she know that probably saved her life. Yeah, that's true. Um, A a fun story I was reading is that the first opening shower scene where he's doing his routine Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Evidently, like most of the female like um, (laughs) production crew like came to watch him during that scene. I get it. Evidently, like during the chainsaw scene, he was just hanging out on set with like just the sneakers and a cock sock. But as naked. Yeah, he was just in the mo. I was like, I was like, okay, right on. I get it. Hey, if I looked like that, I'd, res- I'd, I'd have no problem You're either. Like, I'd be an H-E-B but naked. naked. I'd be. <laughs> yeah, wherever I could be naked and even some places I couldn't. Uh, the next kind of big scene is the very famous business card scene. Yes. This is where we meet Paul Allen for the first time. And this time, Paul Allen confuses uh, Patrick Bateman for somebody else. Habersham or some guy yes. like that. And then they all whip out their business cards. And- it's a dick measuring contest with business cards. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's so charming because... Like, well, at least for Patrick Bateman's perspective, it's charming and also unsettling because it's not just like, oh, that's nice. Or, hey, look at mine. It's very much they're all trying to one up each other. And the detail he's like, it's like, it's light bone with a raised lettering. Helvetica five, you know, like, yeah, like we're talking like detail leveled, like, wow, they put some fucking thought into these things. It even and has a watermark. Exactly the same. Yes, they really do. Except for one guy who had like a pattern background. They yeah. pretty much all looked identical but this is the only place i think that they're really allowed to show individuality but the thing is they're not really though and they, i think they don't the know how is yeah. like you know like like oh mine's mine's off-white mine's bone mine's this font and they all look exactly the same so they all think that they're being unique when in actuality they're all the same fucking person when he drops the card and he just kind of like shudders like I have to go like, <laughs> yeah, like Paul. So Paul Allen's card apparently is the card. It is so good. It basically puts Patrick Bateman in like a coma. He like cannot process put the whammy on him. Yes, it did put the whammy on him. <laughs> he cannot process the razzle dazzle of this card. So <laughs> Give him the old razzle dazzle. <laughs> what does he do? He goes out and he comes across a, like, he I guess he must've been wandering the streets. I don't know. Cause it's nighttime. The he next, had to go return some videotapes. Yes. <laughs> so he's walking down an alley and he sees a homeless Okay, so this is our first kill of Mm -hmm. the movie. And John, you had mentioned before we started recording, there's not as many kills in this movie as you remember. No, I really thought there was much more, but I guess because the ones that there are are very effective and gruesome. But it's, I think three, right? There's I think well near the end, but those barely no, count. count yeah, that's the, more like the, action the movie exposure. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. So he, uh, Patrick Bateman is uh, walking down an alleyway and he comes across a homeless man. He's being a real fucking prick to this guy. He starts out kind of nice, it, prickish but nice. He's like, I I can help you. I have what you need. And these like, oh, the guys like, oh, thank you, thank you. And then he's like, or why don't you get a job, you fucking loser? Like, you suck ass. You're the worst person on earth. And the guy's like, no, I need to hear that. He's like still so nice about it. Like the the guy's name's Al, irrelevant, but it's Al, the homeless man. And he's still so, he's like, thank you. I really needed to hear that. And I don't think Patrick was prepared for that. Every time he's confronted with like people with true personality and nature and like, you know, a sense of being a, a normal human, he does get like kind of thrown off his game. Because it doesn't fit in his little cookie cutter like idea of what it is. But is this the part where he stabs him? He stabs Al. Yeah. Okay. And then 
fuck you, John, for picking this movie because I forgot this was in the movie. Mm, me too. He stomps that dude's dog. Now, it's not like super in frame, but you hear it. Yeah, that part was really sad. And I mean, th- that was the point, though. I was like, I'm kind of glad they kept that in because at that point, I was like, this dude is a pure monster. Yeah, irredeemable. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Big time. He goes to a Christmas party. <laughs> oh, it's- yeah, the Christmas party where his wife has a potbelly pig. Yes, and my favorite, this is probably one of my favorite lines of the movie. She goes, what does Mr. Grinch want for Christmas? And don't say breast implants again. Which you know he said a million times <laughs> like, at this point. You're like, damn, dude, you are a piece of shit. Every spoon of the spoon is fucking hot, so... Patrick, what is wrong with you? Look, at that point, he wants what he wants. But they go through the whole um, Christmas party, and you can tell that like he just he's playing along. But this is, I think, the first major scene where we see that he just does not like being in his surroundings. Mm-mm. He feels he he seems very uncomfortable with the environment he's chosen to like be a part of. And I think his wife or his fiance, while still part of that boring, vapid community has a little bit of personality. She's like doing things that are kind of unique and like, Oh, this is kind of fun. This is kind of cool here. Mistletoe, you know, like no one else is doing that. Nah. And you can tell he's very kind of like unnerved by it. Yeah, I agree. And the, basically the important part of this scene is once again, Paul Allen thinks he's, you know, Joe mission throp or whatever. And he's like, <laughs> Joe mission throp. <laughs> Saturn P Newman. Yeah. You know, uh, but he makes it a, he's like, Hey, we should go to lunch. Yes. He, he tells Paul Allen like, Hey, you know what we should do? We should go get together and uh, do something. And Paul's kind of like, ah, I don't know. And he's like, come on, you've got to. And you realize this is like him laying the groundwork to mm-hmm. address his unbridled distaste. And like, just, he hates Paul Allen. Paul's getting whacked. Yeah, that's going to happen. Uh, before he does that, though, he's talking to um, Catherine. Oh, yes, phone. this is before. And this is where he's watching porno, just in the background, as he's just doing his chores and stuff like that. And as someone who is all about, like, you know, like, hey, sex do work, you. Yeah. no kink shaming, do you. I don't think I just put on porn in the background just to chill. Yeah, it feels a little unusual. Not, like, not even, just like, what do you get out of it? I mean, like, you know, like... I think it goes just to his inability to feel anything. So it doesn't mean anything to him because he just sees, like, women as objects, you know? So, yeah, yeah it's total background noise to him. The good people at IMDb trivia <laughs> did identify... Good. The porn. Oh, okay. The, they identified all of them, but I only noted this one because you can go look up Shout the out rest. to Mr. Skin and its yeah. cohorts. Of- <laughs> uh, he was watching Inside Lydia's Ass. Okay. Well, they actually showed the cover. Oh, okay. On the, on the, in the movie, if you're so, really paying attention. I, I guess I missed that. Yeah, I, I thought it was a made-up movie, evidently. So, but I don't know if it's real. Oh, I, IMDb okay. just said that. I mean, it must be real because the other ones are supposedly real. I don't uh, know. Listeners, exercise for you. You can go look up inside Lydia's ass if you want. Yeah, listeners, we're going to need you guys to go deep dive and find out if the pornos in American Psycho were actual real pornos. Uh, give us a five star review. <laughs> yes. Comment, like, subscribe. But then we get this is where we get the uh, the the most famous scene of American he, Psycho. He takes Paul Allen out to some shitty restaurant and Paul Allen lets him know. And he's like, oh, no, 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 worry. Donald Trump was here. Is that Ivana? No, that's not Ivanka. And I was like, oh, this was yeah. before Donald Trump was uh, considered a total douchebag. I think he was still considered a total douchebag back then. But society hadn't caught on that. He was a fake total douchebag. Yes. Well, he was like, at, I mean, without getting into Donald Trump, but until that he, was the other porno in the movie, getting into Donald yes, Trump no. before he became president he was like the code word for rich person yes so like why i don't understand what 
just enjoy that. Yeah. Branding, man. Yeah. So weird. So the whole, the important part is the whole time Paul Allen thinks he's out to lunch with someone else. Well, the thing is he's doing, he took him to a shitty place. So no one, Paul Allen, well, I think it's also, so Paul Allen would think that Haversham was a fucking Uh, like terrible taste of like, so go back. Oh, Haversham's blah, 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 blah. But knowing that he's not Haversham is what the way I took that. I dig that. I thought it was so that he wouldn't run into, he he knew he wouldn't like, it was a shitty place so that his crowd wouldn't be there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good point. I think you might be actually be more correct on that, but I took it as like him being like, you're going to mistake me for this piece of shit. I'm going to show you how piece of (laughs) shitty this guy could be. He took you to a red lobster. (laughs) Can we get some more cheddar biscuits out here and a bottle of Dom? Fucking love those cheddar biscuits. (laughs) But yeah. So after that, he, uh, he gets Paul Allen really fucking shit faced. Wasted. I think he must've drugged him. He drugs everyone else in yeah. the movie, so maybe, but I'm not sure how he would have done it at the uh, the fake. That's true. It doesn't Chili's show in or whatever. the movie. It basically is a Chili's. <laughs> he sees he's uh, at Applebee's there, <laughs> but. <laughs> point is yes he's drunk he gets him to the apartment and continues to feed him drinks yes and this is the uh the famous scene where we see a guy a fancy wall street bro in a suit kind of drunk in a chair everything's covered uh all the furniture is covered uh with cloth drops and then there's newspaper on the ground and he's kind of just talking to paul like you know like hey you know do you like huey lewis and um he's kind of going through his little spiel of like i think their early stuff was a little bit too new wavy but when sports came out you know it's four yeah four and then um like it's man he's it's it's the famous scene. You, yes, you'll you know, know it if you see it. They and actually did you see the um, Funny or Die mm-mm. that they did? So um, Weird Al Yankovic and Huey Lewis redo this scene, and <gasps> it's Weird Al in the chair being like kind of drugged and stuff, and it's Huey Lewis playing the role of Patrick Bateman talking about the movie American Psycho, and instead of like Huey Lewis, he's like yeah. uh, you know Christian Bale really came into his own with blah 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 blah, and like they reenact the whole scene at the end of the the clip. They went, I play I want a new d- uh, duck. Oh. The Weird Al version of I Want a New Drug. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, dude, if you haven't checked it out, check that out. I'll Listeners as well. It. It's it's funny as hell. Anything that Weird Al does, mwah, yeah. solid gold. Truth. But um, so like he's going to the spiel and he goes in the room and he puts on like a, a rain poncho. Yeah. And, and Paul Allen goes, is that a raincoat? He goes, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> and he is so over the top. This is like the most animated we ever see him. And it's almost like... I don't know how to describe his his role because it almost seems like super like animatronic fake. Yeah. But he's also really excited. And I think it's he's like, so happy he gets to kill Paul Allen. Yeah, he's so thrilled because he goes, hey, Paul. And he's like, what? And it's like, ah, and then it just fucking kills him with an ax. Yes. And it, obviously everyone's seen it. It's on like the Blu-ray cover where his face is just splattered with blood. And I mean, Christian Bale's acting in this scene is incredible it is an astonishing thing to watch i was so impressed with them i was like man i wish i had one percent of that talent (laughs) john i'm just gonna say it i think you've got one percent of that talent thank you thank you all right Um, on a good day maybe and then we cut away we don't we don't linger and and the 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 murders and stuff in this movie we don't really linger Mm -mm. the aftermath is not important it's the act of him acting out and trying to cope and deal with and break out of like this prison he's created for himself. But But we also kind of see though, that he's not as smart as he thinks he is because he's dragging Paul Allen's body down and he meets like one of, he meets Lewis. Oh yeah. And Lewis is like, Oh Patrick, is that you? And he goes, no Lewis, it's not me. Yeah. Like, okay, bad, bad, bad alibi right there, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this whole thing is crazy in that aspect because like, 
Uh, well, as we see, I guess the next scene or like one of the upcoming scenes is where he, uh, William Defoe yeah, shows up in his next office. Scene. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So William Defoe is a detective and he's investigating the Paul Allen case, you know, the disappearance because they don't know it's been murdered, but he's just disappeared. And he comes in and Patrick is like flustered. He's trying to just keep control, but you can tell he's panicked. Yeah. But it doesn't really look that way. But like, you know, you can tell he doesn't put the porno mag up. He's so saying funny. things like, like, what is this pertaining to? And then William Defoe's like, uh, I told you the Paul Allen disappearance. He's like, oh yes, Paul Allen. Never met the guy. And it's like, what? Yeah, he's it's, getting it's, his dates on his calendar confused, but... It's really interesting because Defoe is good at his job. But you can tell he doesn't necessarily suspect him. He's just kind of running through his process and stuff like that. But it's it's mm. really interesting as the interview or the interrogations go on more and more throughout the movie. You can tell that Defoe is kind of fucking with him. Like, almost like, oh, I kind of suspect this dude now. And like then it's like, I think you did it, but I can't prove it. And he's like doing things where, you know, he's yeah. trying to trigger him. And man, it's this interesting kind of like back and forth kind of like, you know, like, oh shit, is he going to catch him? And then Patrick Bateman is just barely keeping it together, but he is still one step ahead technically. Yeah. And it gets weird. I mean, cause it comes up later, but then basically what throws William Defoe's whole case off is people claim to have seen Paul Allen in London. Yeah. Bill, because right after he kills Paul Allen, Christian Bale records a message as Paul Allen, because they all sound the same. And he's like, oh, I got called off to London on an emergency. Like, you know, uh, I'll be back later. I love the uh, Defoe and uh, Bale like interplay Mm -hmm. between them in the office. I wish there was more. There's not enough, in my opinion. There's like three or four scenes, but still, yeah, you're right. It's not enough. Hey, fellas, Mark cutting in again. I thought you might like to know some information about filming of the Defoe scenes. Apparently, writer-director Mary Heron filmed Willem Dafoe's scenes three times. One where he didn't suspect Patrick Bateman at all. One where he's suspicious of Patrick Bateman. And another one where he absolutely knows Patrick Bateman killed Paul Allen. She then took the three cuts and spliced them all together to make one take. And it makes it very confusing for the audience, as well as what Patrick Bateman is experiencing. One of his last interactions with Willem Dafoe, a.k.a. Donald Kimball, the detective, is notable because it's actually portraying Bateman's perception of reality. He's actually not fully grounded and he's not in fantasy either. He's walking a fragile tightrope, tenuously tethered between them. Anyway, I found this fascinating. Thought you guys might like to know that as well. All right. Anyway, back to you. So as we continue through this, um, he goes and picks up. Also, escorts, he's yeah. listening to Lady in Red. Oh, he is. And when, yeah. the, when Defoe comes in, good banger song. Another banger. Just <laughs> Adult contemporary 80s had its place and man, it never let go. Nonstop. Nonstop bangers in American Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> now, is this the part where he goes and picks up the prostitute? Yeah, he picks up Christine. I know there's a scene right before because I have a note that he's watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre oh, on the yeah, TV. Oh, yeah, doing his crunches. And I was like, I was like, never show a better movie in oh. your movie than what you're doing. Um, Which one do I like more? I guess Texas Chainsaw, but just barely, just barely. It's so different types of movies. I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't ever watch this in a Chainsaw Well, the remake of Chainsaw, yes, 100% better. The original Chainsaw, ooh, I don't know. I might put American Psycho a little bit above it. I think so. I kind of agree with you. Mark's yeah. not here to dis- to dispute. Yeah, us, yeah. So. Let's let's get this in there now, so we can remake make it number one. <laughs> so. But yeah, so at this point, he he pulls up in a limo in the the shadiest part of like you know New York, yeah, warehouse district, New York, and you don't really see limos anymore. You know what I was thinking about during this though the 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 eighties limo driver was the guy. Yeah, man. You know, they knew where the bodies were buried. They knew what every motherfucker was getting up to. Like, they saw it all. Like, they drove these people to pick up drugs, prostitutes. I wonder if they wrote books. 
I wonder if there was like a, a like a protection union that they had amongst themselves. Like, you mess with one limo driver, you mess with us all. So like they all kind of like kind of were yeah. safe. Limo drivers never say die. Because how many limo drivers just disappeared? It's like, mm. oh wait, that person knows that I had five illegitimate children with prostitutes. Yeah, you know. once you get him in the limo, yeah. that's a good point. <laughs> you in the limo. <laughs> it's the implication. I don't know if there's any Sunny fans there, but. Uh. <laughs> So yeah, he goes and picks up this uh, prostitute and he's like, your name's Christine now or Christy. I think it's Christy. Well, she broke a rule. Don't go to a John's house. That's true. But she, she saw that wad of money and she was like, cash rules everything around me. Cream is the money. Dollar dollar bill, y'all. Yep. And then on the way there, he calls... From a Wu-Tang fans out there. He, he calls the... It's for the kids. Of course. Well, Wu-Tang is for the children. He calls a escort service and is like, I need a, a lady who doesn't mind doing couples and she's got to be blonde. He's really obsessed with well, blonde. Did you, did you see, like, before he said it, he looks over at Christine's hair, looks her up and down and goes, she's got to be really blonde. And yeah. I was like, damn, dude, that's a dig, son. Big time. Well, then the first thing he says when he sees her is, you're not really blonde, are you? You're dirty blonde. Oh, to the... The, the escort that yeah, comes the, to the, the apartment. Second escort. Yeah. Shout out to Bateman's game, though. I mean, that guy's just like, yeah, all right, I'll pick up a street prostitute and then get a real nice escort. Yeah. Like, why not just order two nice escorts? Oh, that's a good point. Oh, maybe so that two don't go missing from the service. Well, he also calls himself Paul Allen. He's like, my name's Paul Allen. You'll be Christy. Yeah. Now, do you think this was to establish an alibi that Paul was doing stuff? Or do you think that he just wanted to be Paul Allen so bad? Do you think he wanted to fuck a girl as Paul Allen? I don't, I don't, I didn't think about it at all. That he has, you know, the whole thing of like, like Paul Allen's better than me. Like even after death, he still can't get over the fact that this dude was, had everything he wanted. I think your alibi one makes sense because he lets him go. Spoiler for five minutes in the movie. he left that message already that says, I'll be in London. Why would you fuck a prostitute and have a record of that, you know? Good point. Maybe you're right. Yeah, maybe he just wants to be Paul Allen. He wants out of his prison escape, man, his hell. So maybe that's it. You know, he just saw Paul Allen as being above as shitty as his life was. Yeah. But anyway, so he gets him back to his crib. Very long sex scene where he mostly looks at himself, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. And another insight into like his personality. He's listening to Phil Collins. This is when we get the studio. Yes. The, you know, classic, classic sex song. But um, this was actually kind of hot. I was like, all right, this is cool. But um, yeah, he's posing in the mirror, looking at himself. And it's funny because Christine, the the street hooker, mm. is um, watching him like this arrogant son of a bitch. Because yeah. she sees him just watching himself. And it's like, dude, that's so weird. It's it's really a good scene. I don't want to undersell it. It doesn't really move the plot forward that much, but it's so tense because you think he's going to kill them throughout the whole scene and the way he plays it. It's a very, very tense scene. And then he just lets him go. Well... He doesn't just let them go, dude. Well, he yeah. tortures the fuck he, out of he, them. It, yeah, they, I mean, they work very hard for their money, I guess. I don't well, know. Well, he, he, he just, he goes to town. They're it's exhausted. too far. They're sleeping in the bed, and then he wakes up at one point. He goes, because one of the girls rolls over and actually gently touches his hand. And he's, like, he's like, don't touch the watch. And I was like, well, take it off, bro. Yeah, right. But, but um, anyway, he gets up out of bed, goes to a drawer, opens it up. Gets a hanger. Oh, he's got a, a whole slew of... Um, toys if you will but it's like a hole punch it's a hanger Ugh. it's a like a, a potato peeler like all these things you're like what the fuck and then he pulls out this hanger and they're like we're gonna be going and he's like not yet you haven't finished your job or like mm-hmm. something like that and then you see the girls like grabbing a wad of money out of his hand crying one has a bloody nose that's true and yeah. um they leave and you can tell he, he beat tortured the, the out fuck of out yeah. of them and um they leave and he's just like so long and i'm like jesus dude he doesn't feel. He has no feelings, I think. So then we get a more bunch a bunch of more scenes where, you know, we see him kind of interacting with his daily life. We get the scene now where Lewis, the bathroom scene with Lewis, they're at this like kind of like 
bar and they're talking like, let's go here to eat lunch or whatever. And then Lewis walks up and he's like, oh, hi, guys. Um, I wanted to show you my new business card. Mm -hmm. And he whips that thing out and it's got like gold inlay, raised lettering on the... But man, they all just kind of fucking shit themselves. They're like, how the fuck did this loser get this amazing of a car one up to all of them and Patrick can't handle it. Nope. Like Lewis goes to the bathroom and he follows Lewis and he's going to kill him in the bathroom. He's like, Nope, this guy's got to die. He's got too yeah. good of a card. But Lewis is like, I love you. I didn't know. Well, cause Patrick comes up behind him, puts his hands around his neck with gloves on OJ gloves. Yeah. And then basically like Lewis turns around, Dick's still out. And it's just like, Oh, finally and starts kissing his hand. And yeah. then Patrick Bateman is like, Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. This turned like he, you could tell he's like, I got to get the fuck out of here quick. It's one of his first uh, times he's got to return some videotapes. Yes. God, what a great line. So great. <laughs> uh, and my note for this is haha. Lewis thinks he wants to go to the bone zone instead of the murder palace. <laughs> Ah, the old murder palace. I've got to return some videotapes. Bateman's freaking out. So he kind of rushes out, out of there, yeah. knocks into a dude. And of course, you know, his friends immediately judge him like, oh, look at him making a scene. And then Lewis from up on the balcony was like, Patrick, call me in front of everyone. I'm like, bro, you've got to learn some discretion. It's the 80s, my man. Mm -hmm. This is not a safe time for a lot of y'all. But um, not Lewis, man, he likes to live life on the edge. You know what? Shout out to fucking Lewis. Yeah. Be you, people. Be you. Babin, he kind of loses it. Is this where he goes and gets the prostitutes again? No, he meets with the detective once more. So he meets with yes. Defoe and he's like, hey, where were you on such and such a date? And he falls back to his old, uh, I was returning videotapes. And, and this is where Defoe goes, well, that's funny because I've got information that says that you were having dinner yes. with Paul Allen with these people too. And then this is where he kind of like starts catching himself in the lie and kind of like stumbles up and keeps making a new excuse. It's like, oh, right. That's right. We went to go see Africa, oh, Africa or some. It was a right, a right good laugh and yes. I was like what the fuck 80s it's so weird uh, and he's like oh yeah I must have got my days confused and I went you know to dinner with uh, Veronica or whatever the, the day before silly me oh and he's so bad at lying but like the, the photos play it off of like you know, like oh I gotcha he's kind of like oh, okay well I was just asking and it's like wow it starts to devolve more and more into kind of him breaking. You can yeah. tell he's he's losing his little bit of grasp. There's a scene where they're at a, a club doing coke in a bathroom. Yes. And the entire bathroom is just stall, you know, wall to wall stall with like cocaine from T to B, top to bottom. And um, just every his, writer's room in Hollywood back yeah, then. <laughs> his friend is like, you know, like he's like, oh, this is shit. This is like confectioner sugar yes. and baby powder. And he's like, it doesn't matter. If we do enough of it, we'll still get fucking high. <laughs> and I was like, you got to appreciate that kind of like dedication to the high. They're making it work. And uh, he's like, you're right. Let's go. And they keep doing it. And then the guy like next to him, the next stall, like stands up because they're talking about Paul Allen or something. He's like, would you guys shut the fuck up? I'm trying to do drugs over here. They get into it. Mm -hmm. like, it's such a funny line, though. It's so good. And it's like, all right, calm back down. You're right. And they go do a line like right yeah. in front of him. And it's like, but you can tell this is where because um, he says something in front of this guy. Well, he's picking he picks up the model here. This is where he well, I, I know. But he says something in front of his friend where it's like like he this is one of those scenes also where he says something like like, oh, well, you know, like you could kill him or you know he says something that's almost like like he gave away like you're like oh shit did he just say what he thought he said mm, but okay, um okay, yeah, yeah. like his friends don't pick up on it no which again goes to that whole like he's trying to get caught he wants to basically break out of this and he just cannot do it because no one's fucking paying attention they're all in their own cocaine world mm, cocaine world yeah that's my favorite my favorite theme park <laughs> <laughs> So he picks up this model and basically the scene ends. We don't see what happens to this model for five minutes. Oh, at the club. Yeah, yeah at the club. He goes into a taxi and she's like, you must think all models are dumb. And he's like, no, not you. Also, model is blonde. 
What is oh. his obsession with blonde women? That was the eighties, man. I guess blonde so. in the eighties. So then it cuts to he's back in his office. It was office. a golden age for peroxide and bleach. He's <laughs> <laughs> back in his office and he looks a little hungover. He's laying on the couch and he's like, Gene, what are you doing tonight? She's like, nothing. I'm totally free. Oh, God. <laughs> she, even if she had like her kid's graduation yeah. and her fucking parents' funeral, she'd be like, I got nothing going on. Any day of the week, anytime, I'm totally free. And let's, let's say this for the record. Um, this kind of goes to show like where Patrick is in his psyche. By the movie standards, Gene is not pretty. She is very yeah. homely. She's very kind of plain. She'd be your your standard put on, uh, take off the glasses and do your hair up at the end of the eighties movies. And oh, we didn't know you were hot yeah. this whole time. In real life, she is the definitely is a fucking just amazing. Yeah, she's fucking beautiful. But um, the movies leading us to believe that like oh, she's nothing to these people because she's not attractive. Um, but yeah, he asked her what she what she's doing, and she's down. And then he makes up some bullshit excuse. Like he calls and makes a fake reservation. And she's like, you didn't give him a name. And he's like, doesn't matter. Meet me at my house. It's like, they know me. Cause it, there's this running thing about him trying to get a reservation at Dolce, Dolce, something, some yeah. very high Dorsey. investor Dorsey. And yeah. he can't do it, but Paul Allen could do it. So that's another reason Paul had to go. So that's, of course, that's where Gene picks to go. And she, yeah, and he makes a fake reservation. Uh, and he's like, she come on sees over. It. But again, this is back to, if you don't live in that world, you see through this bullshit facade. Yeah, but she wants to believe. Facade, not facade. Facade. Facade, true. She wants to believe, though, because we cut to his apartment, oh, and could there you, she I is. Mean, could you imagine being that? I'd like if like, Rosie Perez was like, you know, like, Garrett, you know what? What are you doing tonight? I'd be mm. like, anything you fucking want. Totally free. Plans yeah. are clear. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing going on in my life. What do you need? Yeah, you're right. This is her moment. Mm -hmm. This is, she's waited for this. And they end up in his apartment. And because he's going to kill her, right? That was his whole plan. Oh, big time. So they do the standard spiel. I don't remember what bandit he talks about this time, but he's talking and talking. He gets his a, run DMC walk this yeah. way. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't. He gets a nail gun and has it right up to her head. And then Evelyn calls and is like, Patrick, what are you doing? Are you with one of your floozies? Which I'm sorry if you're the fiance and you're like, I hope you're not out with one of your floozies. You might want to reevaluate what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. I, I don't know their dynamic. I'm not going to judge. Might but at open. the same time, it, it could be. But wow. Yeah, they don't live together, but they're fiancés. I think that's just, weird. He in and of appreciates his his own life and his own thing, but yeah, I anyway. guess maybe in the eighties people didn't move in just. Or quite maybe yet. he hates her and he doesn't want anything to do well, with I her. But he definitely the expectation is that he has to because she's somebody. I yeah, guess. I that's true. But. That saves that saves Gene because Gene's like you know what this is wrong I should go and he's well he he plays a very weird game with her he goes she goes should I leave he goes I think if you stay something bad's gonna happen to you and mm -hmm. she goes well I don't want that I don't want to get hurt again he's like you will get hurt <laughs> oh yeah his his double entendre kind of like you know like wording was so good because you know he's talking about like you're gonna get fucking killed yeah. and tortured I'm gonna and nail gun like, you in the head and so. she's like I don't want to have my feelings hurt and it's like oh Gene. Poor summer child. <laughs> yeah. Go back and file your papers. So but yeah, so she gets away. She's one of the few who escapes him. I, she's the only one that escapes yeah, him. Yeah, right? you're totally unharmed, right? Because yeah. the escorts did escape him, but not unharmed. They were yeah. beat to shit. Yeah. So poor things. Well, the first escorts, yes. Yes, yeah, yeah. Except for Christine. Oh, which we're about to get yes, to. Yes, I think that's the next scene. It's something like that. So basically, enough, yeah. after this, after this situation where he feels like, damn it, my, you know, the, the thing I really want to do, murder, it just got away from me. I gotta scratch this itch. So he goes back out in his limo to to Christine, um, the, the prostitute yes. from before, and he's like, hey, 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 what's up? And she's like, I had to go to emergency care last time I hung out with you. Go the fuck away. And he's like, look at this wad of cash. Can I change your mind? And again, Christine, 
I get it. The hustle is real, but like she gets back in the fucking car yeah. with him. But she gets in the car with him twice. First, she gets in and is and he's like, she's like, I my friend said I should get a lawyer. He's like, let me write you a check. She yeah. takes a check and runs. And I was like, good girl, way to go. That's how to do it. Hustle a hustler. And then he rolls up next to her and just like, yeah, like you said, pulls out that wad of cash. It's a fucking roll of hundreds. And she's like blinded by the light. You yeah. know, she's like, mm, okay. But um, yeah, damn it. At that point, you got the check. Yeah. Take you your know, win and that's leave. your night right there. And maybe even if it's, even if it doesn't go through, Hey, you didn't get fucking beat up and tortured. Again. Yeah. Ugh. So she goes back. You know what? Protect sex workers. That's what I'm saying. Amen. And this time, though, they're in Paul Allen's apartment, not Wait, his is own. Is it really Paul Allen's apartment? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, yes. Okay, then I, I thought it might have been his, but I was like, I'm not sure. Because at this point, he invites um, another girl, one of his friends over yeah. that knows both Paul and um, him. And at this point, Christine goes, this is much nicer than your other place. Yeah. And Patrick Bateman's face is like, you bitch. Like, he is like... <laughs> fucking furious because he's like no Paul Allen's place can't be better than mine still winning and he goes it's not that much nicer like okay so like upset by it Um, they do explain this in the book I do remember the reason that he eventually moves to Paul Allen's place is because his place becomes disgusting because it gets loaded up with bodies and blood so he moves over to his new base which becomes Paul Allen's apartment is his apartment the one that like he's in at the beginning is that the one that he goes back to at the end he goes back at the end to Paul Allen's Paul Allen's place. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure um, we'll get into that because th- this is kind of the big reveal that I wanted to like talk about, but same he, he basically drugs the two girls and we get to see a very kind of hot, like kind of, you know, scene. It's like, all right, what's up ladies. Yep. And while he talks about Whitney Houston. Yes. Second best line of the movie is when it, one of his, his friends goes, you have a Whitney Houston album more than one. Oh yeah. She is like making laughing fun of him so and laughing. Bad. And it's again, you could see his face. Like, again, this is why I think music is his passion because he's being truly like, you know, like this is, I, this is so moving. This is so important to me. And she's like, wait a minute, Whitney Houston. And he's like, Ugh, like just kind of, you could tell like everything he wants to be and do is just not working out for him. Yeah. And so I can anyway, see that. he's in the room fucking him in Paul Allen's apartment and, uh, the Christine, um, hooker, she's like, I'm going to get the fuck out of here now before the fun starts because she knows what's mm-hmm. coming. Street smarts. Mm-hmm. And she almost mm-hmm. makes it, but instead, uh, she looks back and Paul or Bateman is literally like biting it looks like the the fucking yeah. crotch area of this one because he's going down on the uh, the red haired girl, and then all of a sudden you see blood and this chick screaming, screaming, and he comes out and his face is like covered. He's got like something in his mouth, and it's like, did he just bite this chick's pussy lips off? I was like, mm. what the fuck, dude? Like it got it escalates immediately quick. Yeah, and this is like the only time it's alluded to in the book. He's also like a cannibal. He eats people. He eats the people. Okay, well later on in the phone call he says this. Yeah, but yes, I didn't know that he actually did that until that moment. Yeah, and. And so Christine, rightfully, starts running. And she can't get out of this apartment. She's so lost in this She finds all these other people that he's killed. Like there's some people Opens he's the killed bathroom. off screen. There's like a headless person. The yeah, closet's I think got that's the people. model. Oh, okay. Because later we or earlier we saw the model's head in the fridge. Yes, yes. So, but point is, he's killed a bunch of people off screen. Show us the kills movie. But anyway. Well, that's supposed to be the reveal. Like you're like, oh shit, he's been busy like crazy busy he's putting in serial killer work <laughs> uh, but christine finally opens the door and starts running down the stairs well and she starts banging on the doors and no one's opening their door which yeah. damn it i get but at the same time oof 
Maybe it was an empty building. I don't know. Oh, maybe. Maybe no one could afford to live there except for Paul Allen. Maybe yeah. Paul Allen bought the whole building. Oh, you know, rich <gasps> people do buy whole floors. Fuck the rich people, man. Yeah. We need a class war. That's all I'm saying. You know what? Let's devolve this podcast into bringing down the rich. That's true, man. <laughs> so, so Yeah, she's running down the spiral staircase in like the kind of like the, uh, the building. And... Bateman runs down the hall with a fucking chainsaw, but uh, butt ass naked except for like what two sneakers, yeah. yeah. Which he took time to put on sneakers, but not pants. <laughs> well, you don't want to hurt your feet. I would. I think I'd put on underwear over shoes. I, I'm going to disagree with you here because if you're going to chase somebody down with a chainsaw and scare them for their life, if you don't bother to put on any clothes except for shoes, and you're like, I'm butt ass naked mm. and I'm still going for the kill, you're going to be like, holy shit. Yeah, that's true. That's so, true. Okay, let me let me pose it this way. Mark, you're not here to defend yourself, so I'm sorry. <laughs> you walk in to record the podcast, and Mark runs at you with a hammer and is like, ah, John! And you're like, whoa! You walk in to record the podcast, and Mark's butt-ass naked except for tennis shoes and a hammer and runs at you and goes, John! Which one do you be more scared of? Hey, guys, on that PCP again. <laughs> <laughs> he's on them basalts. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but anyway, so she's running down the staircase, and he's got the chainsaw, and he's like holding it over the, the balcony, and he drops it and it like cuts her like it like it he stabs her in the back basically oh is that what it is yeah oh, okay and i was like man how do you know how unlucky you have to be to die from a falling chainsaw <laughs> right i mean the universe just wanted her dead at that point to be fair yeah she had no way out but then we cut to the next scene which is him you know he's finally like losing it he's finally like does he does he make the phone call and then break up with his girlfriend? Or does he break up with his girlfriend and then make the... Next, he goes and breaks up with Evelyn. Okay, yeah. He goes to Crayons and um, with Evelyn, and he's like, we got to break up. Like, you're not doing it for me. And she starts crying, and she's being completely reasonable about this yeah. breakup. And he's like, you know what I want? I want you to stop making a fucking scene. Yeah. He goes, <laughs> you're not terribly important to me. This is his fiance up until right that moment. And when he says it, it's not even like a, hey, I'm telling you this because I want I want you to know, but I'm trying to take your feelings into consideration. No, he's just like wrote. Yeah, just it's like, just the facts. Yeah, God, it's so crazy. But anyway, he breaks up with her and as he's leaving, she's like, well, what do I do? And he's like, I don't care. I got to go. She's like, where are you going? And he's like, I've got to go return some videotapes. <laughs> His classic business. <laughs> he rents a lot of tapes. Oh, it's all the porn tapes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you didn't get that? No, he's renting oh, those yeah. porn tapes. Yeah, yeah. You didn't buy back then. No, you couldn't. $99. You had to support the economy. Yeah. 80s economy was based off cocaine and porno. Uh, I believe that. And maybe leg warmers. Oh, oh yeah. And those like sweat things. You put the sweatbands on your wrists. Oh, I have sweatbands here. Yeah, I needed those probably from the 80s. Yeah. So, my, st my stay alive cap, my sweatbands yeah. from the 80s. Man, I'm just a fashion icon. And basically from this point on, he, he snaps. He is cracked. Yes. Because he goes to get money out of an ATM. Okay. Yes, you're right. After this point, it is, it is the downward spiral. Yes, it's nighttime again, and he's going to get money, and the, the ATM says... Feed me a cat. Okay, well, he sees this stray kitten and he picks Aww. it up. And I was like, I swear to God, movie. And again, the first time I saw it, I was like, this is not happening. So I knew the cat didn't die this time. So yeah. I was, but still, every time he picks up that cat, and then yeah, the ATM on the screen says, Feed me a, a stray cat. I don't know what his plan was because he kind of put it near the the like slot, you know, the money slot. And it's like, even for a serial killer, what is, are you going to shove it in there? Well, no. Did you see how many he, he put it up against the slot, realized it wouldn't go. And then he takes his gun out and he puts it against its head. Like he was going to shoot it into the <laughs> slot. And I'm like, what the fuck is his? Yeah, exactly. What's Guns his plan don't here? work that way, Patrick. And then an old lady's like, what are you doing? And he's like this, pow, 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 shoots her instead. Yeah. And then lets the cat go. Does let the, he puts the cat down at that gently. Yeah. You know what? Cats rule. Dogs drool. Apparently. Dogs die in this movie. Cats are awesome. Or, one sociopath recognizes another. 
Okay, that was you win this one, John. Um, that dog did not deserve it, though. No, of course not. So a cop comes by. Obviously, he heard the gunshots, and Patrick starts running. Eventually, the cops sort of block him off, and he gets in a shootout with the cops. Yeah, and he shoots the cop car. He actually kills one of the cops. Yeah, he shoots the cop car, and it explodes. And he looks down at the gun, and he looks at the cop car like, "Huh? Didn't know it could do that." Yeah, which it couldn't. So to well, maybe See, this I didn't is catch pretend. this. I didn't catch this. Yeah. I, but again, yeah, he, he looks down like, holy shit, I can't believe that worked. And then he goes into this building and he walks through this like office building and they're like, hey, burning the midnight oil, Mr. Smith. Don't forget to sign in. Shoots that guy dead. Dead, like a fucking headshot too, without even yeah. looking. No scope, as the kids would say. <laughs> and then he, he walks right through the building, out the other exit. A janitor is getting out of the elevator and he's doing like the, the um, revolving door. Mm. He, instead of getting out, loops back around aims his arm out, takes one shot, and then loops right back out. Like, he has to go back for the, the, the witness kill of the janitor. I, I think he just likes shooting people. But to be, well, obviously, <laughs> but, like, it's funny because he does it with, like, so effortlessly. Yes. Like, out of nowhere, he becomes fucking wider. you yeah, know? Yeah, he's so good at shooting people, apparently. <clears throat> and then he goes to another identical building, and then this time, he, he looks like he's going to shoot the, the front desk person, but nope, he signs in, mm-hmm. goes up to his apartment, or his office, office building, and then he picks up the phone, he calls his lawyer. And he just starts crying. I, I, I need you to know, since you're my lawyer i've killed a bunch of people there was a prostitute an nyu student i've eaten people i think i think there was this i think there was this. look i i may have killed a few people i mean i mean look maybe 20 maybe 40 i don't even know anymore like this delivery is so good because he's losing his shit because like, he knows yes it's all up like this is this is it this is what i was expecting this is what i was waiting for he embraces it he's like i even oh, oh god i even i even cooked with some of them i ate them you know yeah. and it's like damn bro like he's spills his guts on everything he's done and you think it's all over at this point but man we cut to the next day and he's back in his apartment he's walking into paul allen's apartment oh that's right he's walking into paul okay now this is where the movie starts to get a little bit cerebral and kind of like you know weird weird because there's like a a real estate agent there and she's like what are you doing here because he's going back to the scene of the crime because he knows it's all over so he's going to go back to his place of comfort which is paul allen's murder apartment yeah so he can i guess see his his handy work i guess I don't know what he wants One to do One last time, man. Yeah. Say goodbye. You yeah. Know? Uh, but the you can't la- just walk away from this. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. He put in a lot of work, obviously. Mm-hmm. So the lady's like, what are you doing here? And Patrick's like, oh, I saw the posting in the Times. She's like, there was no posting in the Times. And it was really strange because he's obviously looking around for all the bodies and there's like plastic sheeting everywhere. They have completely redone this apartment, painted it white. The walls are redone. Every place that we had seen bodies before has been completely redone and is looking like, and again, Paul Allen's apartment had a lot of like, you know, um, natural colors, browns mm-hmm. and oranges and stuff like that. This is all sterile white, like, you know. It looks like uh, Patrick's apartment. apartment. Yeah. yeah. What's well, almost like, okay, man, this is where we start to get into the fun part. So she She's like, she's like, it wasn't in the times. And he's like, oh, she's like, you never come back here again. Yeah. Now where the body's there. I, yeah, I don't know because she's like, don't make any trouble. Just leave. This is the one part of the movie like that later on. I get the fact that, you know, it was in his head and stuff like that. See, I think he did kill those people. I do. But, okay. So, th- so this is where, this is where the big kind of like, you know, interpret, you know, choose your own adventure book kind of thing yeah. happens. Um, because the lady's like, don't cause any trouble and just get out of here. Never come back. And he's like, okay. And he leaves. But this is interesting because the way this, and I, I don't know if this was intentional, but I think it had to be, um, this apartment is basically being turned in from Paul. Paul Allen, a person with personality, living his thing, doing what he does, is now being sterilized and turned into everything that Bateman hates. The clean, white, like, you know, like, 
perception and stuff like so it's almost like mm-hmm. he's he's created like his place of like this is mm-hmm. where i'm gonna go down like it's like oh my god it's uh, it's a continuation of the prison i've built this hell is following me here but yeah i couldn't tell the, they they moved the bodies out i have a, a hard time believing no matter how important real estate was in the 80s they're gonna get rid of like 12 bodies and be like <sighs> let's just sell it yeah i don't know why i think it's real the if it helps the author himself of the of the book okay. says he doesn't know Really? Yeah. Well, like, fuck you. You wrote the damn I thing. I know, right? It's always a cop out when authors <laughs> say that shit. But it, you know, in the book, it's also ambiguous if he did this or not. So, I mean, I get it. The, so, also, uh, I guess I have to represent Mark here. Mark believes he did not do the murders. That he didn't kill anyone. And it was all in his head because he's an unreliable narrator because of the feed me. You know, like on the ATM yeah. and the apartment. I genuinely don't think Patrick Bateman killed anybody. I think. Everything that happens in the movie is a fantasy in his own mind as he's drawing it out on that pad that Gene found. I think as it's happening, he believes it is because he is truly psychotic. And when you think about the Paul Allen aspect of this movie, I don't think they ever went to dinner. I think that was all fabricated as well, especially when he said, no, actually, I saw Paul Allen overseas. And let's not forget, fellas, a year before Jared Leto was in a film called Fight Club where Mr. Edward Norton has an imaginary Brad Pitt friend named Tyler Durden. Another instance of a movie having imaginary things occur. Uh, But yeah, I don't think he killed anybody at all. Later on where the lawyer really thinks Paul Allen's alive. He's like, I had lunch with Paul Allen in London three days ago. Yes. But what makes that like less impactful is... At the same time he's saying that, he thinks Patrick Bateman is somebody else. Yeah, he what they called Davis. Davis, yeah. So it's like Again, they they all and, and again, so this is where and, and I love I love how this plays out. And it took me a couple of watches to really get this because again, everyone's mistaking everyone for everyone else. Yeah. And the thing is Defoe thinks he's got it. But even in the last interview, when Defoe like kind of catches Bateman in the lie, he's still like, Yeah, you know, like we're still looking into it. Like no one can like everyone's seen him, but no one really knows that they did something with it. Like it's all this, like everyone's an unreliable narrator because everything is so like, no one's paying attention to this fucking like mm-hmm. lifestyle they've created around them. So everyone's just like, sure. And yeah, cause you mentioned that cause after he has that moment where he goes to the apartment, he goes back to um, like some gathering or yeah, something. Like a little like, you know, when they're trying to make reservations, like I'm not going anywhere. I just want reservations. I don't yes. care if we go anywhere. I just don't want to make sure where, we have them. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of watching Reagan on TV talk about the Iran Contra shit. Yeah, he sees the lawyer, the one he confessed yes. to on the phone. He walks up and he's like, hey, lawyer, did you hear my <laughs> message? And he's like, oh, that was the funniest joke. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, he's like, Davis, that was hilarious. And then Bateman doesn't re- respond to the Davis part. No, but he also bad. He's like, the problem is Patrick Bateman could never do that. He's such a loser and a nerd and da 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 Talking shit to yeah. his face because, again, they don't know the difference between the two or... Does he is in his mind? They're all the, replaceable and the same. But I think that they just don't know the difference. I, yeah, I think they all they they're just, they're just so self-centered. The lawyer is also a part of this whole scene. And yes. like he's he's smoozing it up and doing all that stuff. But yeah, he's like he's like he's like no no no. Listen to me. I legitimately killed Paul Allen. I did this. I did this. And he's like, this is not funny anymore. He's like, it's not fucking funny. I'm telling you, I'm a I murderer. Did this. Yeah. And he's like, I just had lunch with Paul Allen in London three days ago. 
And yeah, and then like that's where it clicks. Patrick snaps again. Like or he snaps back. I don't know what he, he does. He also heard about the whole Bateman couldn't do it. He's a loser. Yes. And then you could tell like he takes that personally. Like, what the fuck? Am I am I the loser? Like again, this goes back to his insecurities and everything that he's built up to kind of be visually representative is not what it is. Mm-mm. But he goes back and sits down and um you sort of get like a monologue ending where where Garrett alluded to. He just talks about like, I'm not gonna get caught for this. I this is my life now, or you know, always will be my life. And he talks about pointless how pointless and vapid there's all no consequences is. Yeah. yeah he's like like you know like and he's like I, I, the way he says I, I i await my punishment and i know that it'll never come yeah and this is the worst punishment or, or like this is like the worst feeling of all and it's like damn also if you notice behind him uh the sign on the door mm-hmm. says this is not an exit Ooh. basically meaning what he did was not an exit out of his shitty life. Like Trapped. he can't get out of it. There's no escape from this. And, um, until like, next year when the saves and loan crisis happens and all those people get laid off. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. That's a, that's a thing. Yeah. Black so, Monday, baby. Ooh. I, uh, and that's basically the end. And it fades to black and you get the credits and movies over. So, I don't know if he killed all those people. I'm not, I don't have a strong opinion either way. Going into this podcast, I really felt like he did. Talking through it and hearing Mark's thoughts as well. I'm more soft on it. I lean. I'd say 51% he killed those people. 49% was in his mind. We didn't talk about it, but as the scene's playing out, as he's like at the place talking, doing his monologue of like, you know, like I'm in a hell, like I've done these things and I can't get out and stuff. Gene, his um, secretary has found a notebook on his desk at the office and she's looking through it and it is like a visual. No, no, it's not blank. It's a visual guide of all the murders and stuff, all the drawings he did. Oh yes, the drawings. Yeah, but also- It starts out being blank. Like she's like, what's his day planner? It's like his day planner. And she looks and there's nothing on there like what does he even do and as he she seems like turning page after page just, it becomes more and more like scribble of like the murders he wants to do the ones he supposedly maybe did like yeah these horrific drawings of what he wants to do to women and stuff and then like she's crying she's like holy fuck because she also realized i was in this dude's apartment mm-hmm. i almost got nail gunned which again leads to like is, did he really do this stuff i, mean, I don't think he did the paul allen ones uh, it's yeah, it's hard I can't to say. say he didn't like maybe like kill at least one person because he did almost kill Gene. Why would he imagine almost killing Gene and then not? But the the only two that I could actually think would be real was the Paul Allen one. Yeah, that because looks, no one, no one, because the family is like he's gone. Right, like, his wife is like, no, he why, he didn't go to London. He's not in contact with yeah, me. The family's like looking for him. So like Paul Allen is, leg- I think he legitimately killed Paul Allen. Yes, and he didn't kill Gene. That was a legitimate scene. Yes. But everything else might not be true. I think the final scene where he's freaking out and shooting the the guards and the old lady and stuff like fake. that. I think that's fake. I think that's him like finally snapping. Yeah. Um. And because when he looks down at the gun and looks at the cop car after it blows up, he looks he looks like that's unbelievable. And later on, you're like, oh, that was unbelievable. Yeah. I think he killed Christy too, though. Because why would he imagine picking up Christy twice? There's no way that there's a fucking like chainsaw lady in a hallway. Well, I don't think he left her there. He probably took her somewhere. Okay. Probably back up to Paul Allen's apartment. Maybe, maybe. But then that would mean that the bodies had to be disappeared yeah. out of the apartment by the real estate lady. And there's no way in hell. Again, I don't care who you are. You find one body. Maybe you're like, okay, well, uh, this is going to be worth a lot of money. We'll hide this up. You find that many bodies, that much work. That's a lot of fucking work. Yeah, but you know what? She's an old hand at it. You think this is the first rich person? You think she's the cleaner? <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. Uh, <laughs> she's the wolf from uh, yes. Pulp Fiction. You don't need to tell me how Harvey good my Kaito. coffee yeah. is. I know how good my coffee is. <laughs> That's American Psycho. I, 
it's it's hit or miss for me. This is a, a very fun movie. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it for what it is. I also think that it's a little bit overhyped. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I really like it, but it's also not a movie I would ever just like watch. You know, it's like too much. It, it's too deep for that. It is like a cerebral movie, I would say. You can watch it like as a surface movie, but then you're going to walk away like one of these people who are like, oh, Paul Allen, man. Like that's the life besides all the murder, Patrick I assume. Bateman. Patrick Bateman, yeah. sorry. Or maybe Paul Allen. Maybe Paul Allen's yeah. doing the same thing. He's like, that's the life I want to live. You know, he's so cool and whatever. But like, if you really watch it, he is a loser. Oh, besides yeah. being a, a serial killer, even if you extract that part out, it is a story of a really fragile man who cannot like he can't deal with he can't be himself yeah yeah because there's nothing to be yeah like, he, they're all the same they're all like there's nothing unique about them that's like the business card scene is so interesting because again like as we said it's the same fucking business card almost yeah he's but like they not think that they're so individualistic right they're like not self-actualized at all like they're like shell stepford people they're Yo, stepford workers oh, that's fucking rad yeah who's yeah. stepford wives that's a fucking creepy movie yeah it is a creepy a one yeah uh Oof. But I would say I'd give this one three and a half. Three and a half. Okay. I'm going to go with three just because, again, I don't think this has, again, if you had not said we're doing that for the podcast, I realized I didn't own this movie. Ah. And I was like, what the fuck? How do I not own that? I was like, oh, because I don't really like think about this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to put it at three just because I don't think it stands out enough for me, but it's a really well competently made movie. Yeah, I'm really surprised the director didn't go on to make more movies. I mean, this is a really well made film. You know, tell your story. If that's what you want to do, then boom, walk away. Yeah, you know? I guess. Yeah, one and Or done. go do an episode of The L Word, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so um, Mark, if you want to, feel free to edit your hot take in here of your star rating. I think based solely on Christian Bale's performances, plus the music, plus the satire, plus the comedy, um, I'm going to have to give it four stars. I think this one was really, really good. Uh, Second watch since I've seen it since the early 2000s, um, I enjoyed it even more than the first time. And maybe it's because I'm a little older and I can soak up that corporate speak and parody that's going on in the film a little better. But yeah, I think this one is a classic. Four stars from me. Back to you. So that's American Psycho. Thank you all so much for joining us on another episode of the Grave Talk Podcast with your host, John, with your host, Garrett, and without Mark, because fuck that guy. Anyway, Mark, we The host you. with the most, man. We love you, man. Our next episode, we're looping it back around to our, our boy, Rob Zombie, and we're going to finally talk about House of a Thousand Corpses. We've talked about Devil's Rejects. We've talked about the Munsters in brief, you know, context, mm-hmm. but... Let's go ahead and bring it back to his original, the one that started it all for the man's career, House of a Thousand Corpses with Dr. Satan. Okay. House of a Thousand Corpses is our next movie. And then after that, we got a couple other flicks coming out in the theaters. A lot of listener stuff out there coming up uh, in the near future. Keep it coming, so. listeners. Yeah. yeah. You know, we can't think of things on our own, so. We, we re- can, we depend. but they're wrong. Yes, yeah. that's true. All of our hot takes are just lukewarm at best. Yeah, every movie we've picked, bad. We so. think we're hot shit in a champagne glass, but we're just warm due to an a Dixie cup. It, yeah, the we, Grave Talk Podcast. <laughs> we depend on y'all. <laughs> As always, thanks for listening. Please like and subscribe. Leave us a, a rating. Uh, leave us a uh, review. We really appreciate that. We do read them, and we love hearing from you guys. Um, share the podcast. Let's get the word out there. Let's get some free flicks in there. Let's get us nationwide. Yeah. Eventually, we'll be on Shutter talking to Joe Bob mm-hmm. about our hot takes on 
exploitation films. Love it. You know what? I'm going to, can we end with a listener shout out? Shout out to the listener who left us a five-star review that said, we can't get names right for shit because I will have, you know, you're going to love this episode because we went Christine and Christy interchangeable. Oh, did we that the whole name. Oh, sweet. Yes. So, uh, you know what? You really saw into our soul. That's what, you know, that's what we're known for. Uh, yeah. And, and it, we appreciate that you see us for who we are mm-hmm. and you're not judging. Yeah. Thanks for listening. No, seriously, we love y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Share, like, spread the word. Let's get some cool stuff going, but see you next time.